This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. It is the bye week, but we still hit you with not one, but two podcasts this week. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. Also, betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. Let's uh, start with the headlines from this week, Greg. Uh, Patriots players said Colts knew. Colts players knew the plays that the Patriots we're trying to run. Now, Bill Belichick confirmed this to you and all of your experience in the NFL over the past couple of decades. Is this a big deal or is it not a big deal, Greg? Largely, Nick, it's not a big deal. Um, certainly interesting, and, and you can talk about the Belichick aspect of it, that he, that this team, admitting that you know, yeah, we were kind of predictable to some of these middle linebackers. You could certainly make the argument that there's there's something there to pick at. Um, you know, that it's the Patriots, I think you could say, okay, this is unusual. Um, uh, but here's the thing. As you said, you know, I've been covering the league a long time. Um, I think it's significant that he singled out Shaq Leonard and C.J. Mosley. Uh I think it's more about the, I think his comment was more about those players and how good they are and how smart they are and how much they study than anything that the Patriots are doing. Are the Patriots a little bit predictable and simple right now with their offense? Yeah, uh, there's no question about that. Is that an issue? Yeah, it's somewhat of an issue. But I could tell you from my time when I covered Zach Thomas with the Dolphins, especially against the Patriots, um, Belichick could have made those. He probably made those same comments about Zach. I mean, Zach studied so much and knew they played each other so often. Now the Colts, they don't see the Colts all that often. The Jets do. Um, But this happens. This happens from time to time. You know, I could tell you there was a specific game. I forget. It was when it was when Saban was with the Dolphins. So it must have been 06. Uh, where after the game and I wrote a story that basically I think the I think the 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 Dolphins like shut out the Patriots or held them to like three points or something I mean it was I think they picked off Brady at one point and there was a lot of discussion after the game about how like you know and, and some of the Dolphins players told me that they knew what the Patriots were running in terms of you know some of their hand motions some of their alignments like they basically, they basically were almost sort of like in the huddle, knowing what was going on with the Patriots. And so to me, I, it's it's a little bit of a deal just because in, in terms of what we're talking about with this offense, at, overall, big picture, it's not a huge deal. But I, I think it's made a bigger deal because of where the Patriots are offensively. And it kind of makes it easy fodder to pile on Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, which I don't necessarily think is unfair but I just think it's a little bit of a reach in this circumstance I know that uh Patricia and Mac Jones said a couple of things that stood out to you that you want to cover but I'll quickly say you know I remember on Twitter going back a week or two ago Antonio Rogers Cromartie had a great Twitter post and it was about watching film if you're a player and he actually shared some of his notes from you know his his prior playing days and it's amazing. A lot of people, I think, just believe these guys, they, they watch the film and then they go home and what 
but but some of these some of these players and, and Dante Hightower was like this for the Patriots. They study so much and they break things down so much that you know they see certain personnel groupings from these teams. They mm-hmm. see certain pre-snap movement from these teams that automatically they have a really good feel as to what's coming next. So I agree with you. I don't think it's the biggest thing in the world, but because of what's going on in, in the contextualizing of this offense and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and all the things that we have questions about already, this comes up and you go, wait a minute. They, they, they're so predictable that other teams know what's coming. Uh, it happens more often than I think people realize. Let's talk about those comments, though, from uh, Patricia Jones that, that stood out to you. Yeah, why don't we just uh, – there's one that I wanted to play for the folks. So we're, we, we, we got the assistance today in um, – you know, with the bye week and, you know, one thing stood out, I was in the offensive um, zooms that we had. And so I heard Nick Haley and Troy Brown and then Joe judge, Mr. Word salad himself. I, I had a tough time <laughs> even figuring out what he's saying. And then, you know, Matt Patricia talked and Karen Corrigan asked him a question about Mac and asked to follow up. And, and he basically said that, uh, and I'm just trying to find it on, what I said, he said, uh, he said, Mac Jones is certainly, certainly is making progress is, let me start over again. Certainly is progressing every week in a great way. And of course I'm sitting there like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) so that led to, uh, this question and answer between myself and Matt Patricia. Yeah, you're welcome. And final question from Greg Bedad. Hey, Matt. Hey, Greg, um, how are we doing? Good. Um, look, not to be the jerk here, but I, I'm curious about your response to this um, yeah, question. No worries. No worries. No worries. <laughs> you said something along the lines of you think you you think that Mac has made great, great progress, at least week to week. Um, to play the other side of the coin, there's a lot of fans who are out there who will look at Mac's Mac stats from last year to this year and say, what the hell is he talking about? He's obviously taking a step back. Um, can you can you can you expound on that about how you think Mac is making progress and uh, you know and sort of you know where you see him at this point in his second season? Yeah, sure, no no problem. Um, I think you know for us and for me right now, it's just um, an evaluation of where is he now? Where where, where were we maybe a couple months ago? Um, with uh, the things that we were doing and, and have we improved on those and, um, you know, coming back in and, and, you know, getting back into the rhythm of out there playing. I think there's things that he has certainly improved on um, that have helped our team a lot, you know, and, and certainly uh, those things are the ones that we're putting a big point emphasis on. And um, statistically, you know, the numbers from last year compared to this year, I just think everything's different um, from year to year. So uh, the most important thing for us is to try to improve as we go forward uh, this year and focus on this year. And, and that's when I answer that question, that's really what uh, I'm talking about from that standpoint. You know, um, I think that last year's um, situation, no matter what team we're talking about or what player is always different um, than this year's, you know, and, and the team evolves, it changes every single year. And each year is its own year. I mean, that's just the reality of the NFL and the teams you play are different, certainly. And the teams that we played in the first half of the year are going to be much different than the teams we play in the second half of the year. So yeah. that'll be a whole different level of um, 
you know, improvement or um, how we how we handle that as we go forward. And, and that's why we take things week by week, because um, if you look bigger than that for us, you, you're going to get lost in some of the details of, of the things that we need to improve on right now that really matter. Okay. <laughs> Nick, Nick, your reaction or what do you what was he trying to say there? He said nothing. That's my reaction. He said uh, he gave you no specifics about how Mac is progressing. He gave you no detail as to what the improvements are. He didn't give you any examples of what he has seen on the film as to why Mac is a better player now than he was in week one. He, you mentioned word salad with Joe judge. He just, he just talked for about a minute and 10 seconds about pretty much nothing like well you you go back to last year then you look at this year and you know not every year is the same and you got to go against different opponents and it was it was a ton of cliches it was a bunch of generalities and he never truly answered your question which was hey man people are seeing mac jones not look as good this year and statistically he's not as good so what do you see that should tell the fans that he's improving and he gave you nothing he gave you no tangible evidence or thought about why Mac is improving. That's at least what I took from it. <laughs> That's pretty much what I took from it too. I mean, I do think that uh, I do think it's valid that he, I, I found it interesting that he brought up um, sort of the future schedule, the schedule down the stretch, which we'll discuss here um, shortly. Uh, yeah. I think that's valid. I do think they just they just played two of the tougher defenses, and you wrap in the Bears in that three of the tougher defenses they're going to face all season. So things can maybe look a little bit different. And, and and as an offshoot of that, I was looking up some stats comparing like last year where where they were at this point in terms of DVOA. And you know, to be completely transparent, I mean the offensive overall. DVOA was uh, was much better. I'll try to find it here in a second. But um, the passing offense wasn't a whole lot better at this point. But um, because of some of the cupcakes they had in the middle part of the schedule, what's interesting is that from this point on, I think basically from like week 10 on last year, this surprised me, uh, the Patriots were first in the league in – passing offense through the like the the second half of the season like a lot of people like to say well Mac Jones wasn't that good and and you can narrow it down to like the last four games and and there are certain evidence of that but um yeah so the the rate the ratings through week nine last year um just to be fair and you know to, to to compare apples to apples and not just look at the end of the season compared to the midpoint this year because I do think that's a right. little unfair uh through week nine, the offense DVOA, and that is for people who are new, defensive, defensive uh, value opponent adjusted. Like it, it, it factors in the defense and the opponent and, and all that stuff. They were 11th total, okay? Right now, they're 22nd. Uh, excuse me, they're 26th right now. Uh, last year, at Oof. this point, they were 11th in offense. In passing, they were 24th. This year, they're 26th. In rushing, uh, they were 18th uh, la uh, last year. This year, they are 22nd. Um, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most about his comment about Mac was that they think he's progressing from, he, he used the time frame a couple of months ago. Um, 
to me, it's more about like, you know, I think it's about like him getting on board with what they're doing. He also, there were a lot of bouquets again at Mac. It seems quite apparent to me that these guys are going out of their way to sort of restart, be on the same page. Hey, you know, we're in this together. We got to figure it out together. Stop sniping at each other. And I think, I think that's, that's what's going on here. I just wish he he gave us something uh, of 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 you know evidence or or that was tangible and say oh you know we we think he's improved in this we think we're improving in this I, I just I felt again that it was all kind of just big picture scrambling of words and 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 time frames and I, I don't know I I don't know uh, Josh Allen let's talk about Josh Allen there's there's this mystery about his his arm his UCL if, if anybody saw the replay last week against the Jets uh, it, it didn't look great I mean like kind of like a high velocity connection with a defensive lineman and the the arm kind of recoiled back a little bit and you know there's there's some questioning about whether or not Allen has some damage to that UCL Sean McDermott has been very very guarded as you would expect him to be about his franchise quarterback. But, you know, Allen, this injury, even if it's not, you know, super significant and like, you know, season ending, how does this change things, Greg, for, for Buffalo and, and for the rest of this division and for the rest of the conference? Well, I think it changes a lot now, you know, we'll, we'll have to see the seriousness of it. I mean, I know if this was a major league baseball pitcher, you'd be like, Oh crap, he's, two steps away from Tommy John surgery. Now, is it the same thing in football? I don't know. Um, but it, it can't be good. And, and it does affect everything. I mean, the dolphins are breathing down their necks in the AFC East. The jets are also as well. Um, the Patriots, you know, we'll see with them. I mean, I'm just looking at their schedules. So they have the Vikings this week, then the Browns, then the lions, and then they, then they get back into the division with the Patriots, Jets, and Dolphins. I don't know about you, Nick, but but if I'm the Bills, if if some doctor is telling me like a couple weeks worth of rest will do him a lot of good and could uh, make it more likely that he finishes the season strong, then I'm doing that. If I got to sit him for the next three weeks, I, I'm doing that. Figure it out um, that you know they have a good team overall, um, but they got to take care of Allen. And here's the thing they might have to do it themselves because Josh Allen is so competitive and just, he doesn't know any, there's no, there's no governor on him. You know, he goes 120 miles an hour, no matter what he's doing, you know, running, throwing, whatever. So he might say, Oh, I'll take care of it. I won't overstress. I won't do that. Once the play starts, forget it. That guy's a freaking nutcase in a, in a good way now. And so, you know, Sean McDermott might have to stand up and be the adult in the room and say, you know what, we're going to let this calm down a little bit, at least this week. Then we'll see. We'll go week to week after this. But they got to be smart about this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you do whatever you can. That gives you the best chance of having Allen finish this season holding, you know, the Lombardi trophy. And if that means he's got to sit the next couple of weeks and that's what you do. I do think a lot of people are overlooking and look, I, I don't want to over exaggerate what happened before the injury, but Allen played like dog crap last weekend against the jets and two things out of that. Number one, I still think that Allen against certain defenses is prone to make mistakes. 
he's a great quarterback. He's elite. He's top, you know, three, four, wherever you want to put him. You could say he, he might be the best quarterback for some people, arguably in the league right now. I'd, I'd still go with Mahomes, but he's in the conversation, but he still can make some mistakes. And he, he had some very bad plays against the Jets defense last week. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Secondly, speaking of that, Nick, real quick, I just wanted to say, I hope people sure. were paying attention because of like, you know, that Jets defense is good. And I think the Raiders play the Colts this week. And now the Colts have a whole different thing going on with the coaching change. <laughs> but, yeah, you but watch, watch Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels against the Colts defense. Watch what Josh Allen did against the Jets defense. And then, so, you know, we'll see. I'm not telling you what's going to happen. Um, the Raiders might rip through them. I, I, I don't know if they're going to do that. But I think after watching Allen against the Jets and um, the McDaniels against the Colts. I think you might feel a little bit better, uh, different about, you know, your Mac Jones panic and about, Oh, he looks terrible and he can't do this. And what about ba- it look better with Bailey Zappi? I think you're going to see these are two pretty damn good defenses, especially against the pass. And so them s- struggling through, um, you know, Josh Allen threw two picks. Everybody's you know, yelling at Mac Jones about a, you know, po- possible pick six and this and that happens to the best room against that defense. So I just wanted to say that, but sorry. Great minds think alike. That was exactly my second point, oh, which is if you, if you watch that Jets, you watch that Jets defense, that Jets defensive line, folks, they're really good. Robert Sala is a really good defensive coach. And I do think it should make you feel better about what the Patriots did against them on the road. And, you know, especially the second half and, and the ability to look better and improve there in the, in the second half with, with some of the things that they did. So, yeah, I, I take the same thing away from that as, as you took away from that. And you should feel at least slightly better about what the Patriots looked like offensively against those teams. And I would also say, by the way, and we'll talk about this in a little bit with the, the awards that we give out midseason to the Pats. Same thing with Chicago in their offense, you know, everybody looked back at that Chicago game and said, what the hell? It was all surprising. And, you know, it, it came out of nowhere because up until that point, the bears could not do anything offensively. It was, it was mm-hmm. tough to watch. And Justin Fields was, was struggling. And, and you thought, man, the Patriots defense will be able to slow them down and they shouldn't have much of an issue. Hey man, you know, since that, since that game where they had, you know, the, the bears played, They had 11 days in between games. They had that Thursday, you know, they had that, what was it? Thursday night game or whatever. And then they had the Monday night against the Patriots. When you look at that, you know, the bears offense before, you know, 10 points against the Packers and, you know, 23 against the bears and, and, and seven points against the commanders in Chicago. And that was the game that the bears were coming off of going against the Patriots. But since then, here's the fact. The fact is that the bears offense has been pretty damn good and they realize that they should be running Justin Fields a lot more. And that has changed the entire dynamic. You know, they scored 33 against the Patriots. They then scored 29 against the Cowboys and the Cowboys pretty good defensively. And then last week against the dolphins, they dropped 32 and fields ran for a a buck 60 plus. So, you know, when you, when you look at that bears offense, maybe just maybe they were improving and nobody knew it behind the scenes or they had figured some stuff out. And now that bears offense looks a hell of a lot better than it did in the first month, month and a half. So 
these things evolve. The, a football season changes teams. That's why Belichick always talks about Thanksgiving and then Turkey Day gobble gobble. And the idea of, you know, you're, you're going to know your team better as you go along. It's true. He's not just, you know, saying that. And so, you know, what a team looks like the first few weeks is not what a team looks like in the middle of the year or the end of the year. And I think it's fair to kind of look back and, and adjust your reaction to some of the games if you see something changing. And right now, Chicago's offense has absolutely 100% changed since they put seven points up against the commanders. So maybe you look back at that Monday night game and you say, look, you still don't love the result and the Patriots still have issues against mobile quarterbacks, but Chicago looks like offensively, it's now much better than it was before they played the Patriots. Um, Let's predict the, uh, the Pats final record here. We're we're five. Nick, why don't, why don't we punt that to next week? Uh, Okay. And, and I'll tell I'll tell the people about Athletic Greens, and then we'll get into our awards. So we'll t- I want I want a little bit more data this weekend on the okay. teams. I get to sit back by week, get to watch, see the rest of the league, and then let's dig into the Patriots' final nine games of the season. Is that what right? It's final eight games of the season. Um, I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for a month or four months. God, I keep saying that. I love it. I mean, (laughs) I've been I'm losing track of time. I've been on it for so long. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And, you know, those of us in New England, it's going to become even more important as the days are getting shorter, less sunlight, less vitamin D, all that stuff. You start getting miserable, I'm telling you. AG1 is going to help you because this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. Now it's part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. That'll be big in the winter months and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, let's run through the uh, Patriots awards. I have a feeling we're going to agree on a lot of these, but uh, we'll start with the the most valuable player for the Patriots in the first half. Okay, so this one is actually going to surprise you a little bit. Oh, really? Um, I'm going to go with Ramondre Stevenson, and here's my reasoning behind this. I, I easily could put Matthew Judon. He was there after four games for me. You could certainly say that. The reason I'm saying Ramondre Stevenson is I think he's he's been the offense to this point. I mean, if they didn't have him or his ilk, like, you know, just this weekend, are they running the ball in from the two-yard line, three-yard line? I don't know. Like, they, he, he has done so much stuff, become so much of the offense when this offense has been horrible that I think his value is more than Judon's to the defense. Now, has Judon been great? Yes. Do I think he should be – 
among the favorites for defensive player of the year, just like he was a year ago. Absolutely. But I think the Patriots defense could survive at least to this point and, and manufacture pressure and sacks without him. Whereas, you know, especially Damian Harris got hurt. They have a short backfield anyways. He's had Stevenson has, has had to get involved in the passing game more. So to me, I think Stevenson has been the most valuable player to this point. All right. So you mentioned Stevenson and Judon. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. There you let's, go. Give Nick, let's give some Nick folk love. Ooh. How about that? How about folky? Uh, he ain't folking around. So when you look at, when you look at this offense, they're, they're 29th in the NFL in red zone offense. They stink. They can't finish drives. If you had a kicking issue, how bad would this offense look? How different mm-hmm. would these games look? So I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to, I'm going to give Nick folk some love. Everybody loved the kicker here. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Nick folk least valuable player, Greg. So least valuable player. Um, so I'm going through my ratings and looking at this and this really isn't fair. Cause you know, this, the, some of these guys haven't played a whole lot, but this is just basically like, you know, probably it's not least valuable. It's more like, all right, who's the 56 guy on the roster at this point. And to me, it's Sean Wade. Um, it, it, you know, he flashed at times in the summer. He's gotten some opportunities this year, hasn't done much with it. And I think he's a distant memory. Like he is like the, the, the last line of defense in the secondary. I mean, Marcus Jones is playing over him, all these rookies. Uh, so to me, it's Sean Wade. Jake Bailey. Ooh, like good one. I'm on a special teams kick here, but honestly, <laughs> the, you know, the, the folk thing was fun. Jake Bailey has two jobs, right? Kickoffs and punts. He has royally sucked at punting the football for a year and a half now. Belichick gave him an extension. Still can't figure out why. I think he had like a 10-yard punt last week. He's, he's been so bad, so bad. Least valuable player. Offensive player of the year, Greg. So since I, I don't, I'm one of these who likes to split the MVP in, in offensive player. So I'm taking Stevenson off the table. Um, and this is sort of my offensive, most valuable player besides Stevenson. I'm going to go David Andrews just on what's been proven the last two weeks without, I like it when they can't do anything. And Cole strange suddenly looks like he can't play football. Like uh, <laughs> if you didn't know, now, you know, David Andrews is extremely valuable. Stevenson next worst offensive player. I got to go with Isaiah win. Uh, he's just no matter what position starting backup guard tackle, whatever ain't good enough. Agreed. Next <laughs> uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, Matthew Judon, since I didn't have yeah. him uh, MVP, I got to give it to my boy. I have him for, I know officially the numbers are different, but I have him for 12 and a half sacks. So I've given him some help. He's had some helpers that I've given him credit for uh, 38 and a half total quarterback pressures. Uh, the next closest guy is Dietrich wise at 20 and a half. The next guy after that are uh, Bentley and Jennings at eight and a half. So again, we're talking a very top heavy, uh, you know, in terms of defensive pass rush on this team. He's been terrific. I mean, you can't go with anybody else for defensive player of the year. He's been awesome. Impact play after impact play pressures, hits, sacks. 
you know, making plays and, and wheel routes against running backs that he's, you know, not supposed to and, and not necessarily his job responsibility and still doing it. He's been awesome. Uh, worst defensive player. Uh, so today I took Sean Wade off the board. So um, the next one on my ratings list, next one up from the bottom uh, would be Joshua Bledsoe, who, you know, he's playing a role. He, you know, he gave up a couple touchdowns um, against the Jets. Some of it was good coverage. Some of it wasn't his fault. But, you know, just in terms of, you know, where he is right now, relation to other people on the team, because the defense has played so well some of these weeks in terms of their execution, um, a little unfair. So, Josh, if you're listening, sorry, man, um, you still you still have a bright future, but I, I got to name you here. I'll roll with you on that. Honestly, I think the defense has been really good for the most part. It's it's pretty difficult to find one that you could really go after. Uh, Miles Bryant early in the year wasn't doing great, but I feel like he's played a little bit better lately. Uh, Jalen Mills, I'm not a big Jalen Mills guy, but he's been fine. Jonathan Jones has been good, so I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on that one. Offensive rookie of the year. So for a long time, it was Cole Strange by default, but the way he's played in recent weeks and the return of Tyquan Thornton, even though I don't think he's been great, I did not like his route running this week uh, against the Colts. Uh, I thought he made Mac Jones look bad a couple times, but I'm going to go with Tyquan Thornton just because Strange is now, he's gotten in the last like month, he's gotten worse by the week and uh, I can't reward that. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got one out of the two guys and strange has been so bad being benched back to back weeks. It's like the only option you have is Tyquan Thorne mm-hmm. defensive rookie of the year. I think this one's Jack an easy Jones. one. Jack, Jack Jones. Jack Jones. Yeah, he's uh man. The kid can cover. He's a skinny little bugger, but man, <laughs> he is, uh, he is like Velcro out there and, uh, certainly does not lack in confidence when he's on the field. Um, it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does and how the secondary does against this, you know, much tougher close to the season in terms of passing offenses. Uh, but so far, uh, kid's been dynamite. Yeah. I mean, Look, we, we, we criticize Belichick when he deserves it. We give credit when he deserves it. So far, this secondary, he was right. He was right. J.C. Jackson left, uh, heavily criticized. Nobody knew really what they were going to do uh, at cornerback and all of that. And Jonathan Jones has been really good outside. Jack Jones has been really good, you know, considering the, the lack of experience there. And you, you see them defensively kind of put some things together on the back end and they've been better than I anticipated. It it looks like Belichick absolutely made the right decision by drafting Jack Jones. It was questionable from, you know, by by a lot, it was questionable decision according to many people because of Jack Jones's off the field stuff. But if you read into it a little bit more, I I wasn't too scared about that. Um, But you know, you, you look at that pick and I think Belichick, Belichick got a good one there and I also have high hopes for Marcus Jones, hoping that, you know, as, as he catches on and, and develops, uh, he will be also pretty good in that secondary. So, and he's been great, you know, punt returning comeback player of the year. So this is interesting. So in the preseason, I did these award in the preseason. I did it after four games. So in the preseason, it was Raekwon McMillan. Uh, after four games, it was Marcus Cannon off of just one game. Um, so, now I'm going with Jabril Peppers. 
you know, coming back from the ACL surgery, you know, especially he even he's comeback player from where he was in training camp. I mean, cause he went from, does this guy even deserve a roster spot? How do they give this guy a lot of guaranteed money to, okay, he's a piece. I mean, you saw with Duggar back, not a huge role for him this week, but he's a piece that you could use against the Buffalo bills of the world. And so uh, we'll see where it goes. Peppers is interesting. He, like he, he really is because, because he could do different things. As you just mentioned, he can kind of change, uh, you know, the, the defensive landscape from time to time with his ability on the second level to kind of chase you down. And I, I think that's, I think that's a critical piece for this defense that they've been missing. Some of that, some of that athleticism, some of that sideline to sideline stuff and his ability to, to just hit people. Uh, how about Jonathan Jones? Just mention him. I mean, he, right. he had the injury last year. Uh, a lot of people wondered what he would look like and, and if he would be able to come on through. And I think he's been terrific assistant coach of the year. I got to go with, uh, and before the season, I said DeMarcus Covington, defensive line, he's done a fine job. After four games, I said Mike Pellegrino, the cornerbacks coach. I got to go with Pellegrino again. I mean, I think, that, you know, if you're looking at units on this team that uh, have been better than expected, I think you would say cornerbacks probably at the top of the list, and it's a young room. Um, those, <laughs> when you're dealing with youngsters, rookies, those rooms are often tough to deal with, and those guys getting to be professionals and on point. Uh, credit to Pellegrino. He's done a really good job. Pellegrino, congratulations, my friend. Uh, this is going to be very unpopular, but I couldn't care less. Steve Belichick, suck on that. He's the, you know, I, I killed him last Whoa. year, and we yeah, that's right. Killed him last year. We were going all over the place with him and, and you know, too many men on the field and too many defensive mistakes and blown assignments and this and that. It was a bleep show. Look, mobile quarterbacks give them issues. I, I, I tend to put that a little bit more on Bill for not finding a linebacker that can, can help them with that. that. That to me is more personnel than it is actually, you know, X's and O's. And when you look at this defense, given what they have, they, they've been – They've been much better against the run than I anticipated. Again, aside from mobile quarterbacks, the secondary has been really good. Um, the pressure has been unbelievable. The ability to get pressure. Yes. Some of that, you know, is absolutely thanks to Judon, but you know, we see Uche now popping a little bit. So I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to say Steve Belichick's had a pretty good year and relatively speaking, my expectations were low. So maybe that's you know part of it as well. Worst coach of the year, Greg. Well, I think you have your 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 choices here, but um, <laughs> and and again, this is this is a little bit unfair. Uh, and let me also state this. No, I, okay. Look, I'm going to change change my thinking a little bit. Bill said before the season, if it doesn't work, blame blame me. I'm blaming Belichick. So I'm saying Belichick because of what he did to Matt Patricia, because he said, if it doesn't work, blame me, not Matt Patricia. So he's saying, I can't blame Matt Patricia, even though that's who I was going to name. So I'm going with Belichick because, you know, he made Matt Patricia, the offensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, the offense has regressed. And he's also the offensive line coach and that unit has regressed. So Belichick slash Matt Patricia. Joe judge. He's the quarterback's coach. The quarterback has regressed. He looks like he's kind of all over the place right now. Uh, so Joe judge biggest surprise offensively. 
Uh, biggest surprise offensively um, would be uh, how, how how aggressive they've been with the passing offense. Um, and a, a, a biggest surprise in not a good way, just because I, I don't, I understand how it looked on paper. We want to make bigger plays. You know, they're, they're, they've made a lot of big plays down the field, but is that the best thing for the quarterback and the offense overall? I would say no. They're trash ass red zone offense. You, you got, you got two tight ends. You got Hunter Henry, who was, you know, really good in those kinds of situations last year. You have a, a really good running back in Ramondre Stevenson, who is a bull and should be very good in short yardage situations. The inability to finish drives, it's gross. Biggest disappointment offensively. Well, you can certainly take your pick on this one. Um, I mean, I guess my biggest disappointment in terms of, you know, because I did expect Mac Jones to regress with what was going on here. I would say it was it's probably Hunter Henry's usage. Um, overall, and it goes to, you know, what you're talking about with the red zone. Like, you know, we knew there were going to be some issues with Mac Jones and the offense with what was going on and all the changes and stuff like that. But you figured at the end of the day, you know, Hunter Henry wasn't going to have a whole drop off from, you know, nine touchdowns and being a big red zone guy to like now he's like he's completely like non-existent in the offense. So that's that's my biggest disappointment. Yeah, I think. Nelson Aguilar is is a big disappointment to me because we we heard some great reports early training camp. I can't say Thornton because, you know, he missed a big chunk of the, the beginning of the season and he's a rookie. So I would say Aguilar, you know, what's he done the last like four weeks? Like mm-hmm. almost nothing. He, he, he's been at like a zero for them. So I'll put Aguilar out there. Biggest surprise defensively. I would say Jonathan Jones, I'll stay where I was after four games. Jonathan Jones playing like a number one cornerback. Um, That was, uh, that's been a big surprise to me. And it's been a big key to this defense that he's been able to do what he's done going from slot to boundary. Um, You know, they'll be going up against some bigger bodied receivers. We'll see if that keeps up here down the stretch. Is he going to go up against Gabe Davis? And he's got Stefan Diggs coming. Um, you know, the Cardinals and their guys, Devontae Adams is coming. Um, how are they going to match up with some of these guys? So, but to this point, Jonathan Jones. Contextually, what they've gotten out of this defensive line in the opposite end position from Judon has been a pleasant surprise to me. They, they've been really good against the run, again, aside from mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Uche popped last week. Wise has, has had several moments this year. And again, if you put it into context, Christian Barmore has missed the last couple of weeks. And I thought he was going to be a huge piece of the puzzle for this defense up front. So I think the defensive front has played better and and had more production than I anticipated. Biggest disappointment defensively. Christian Barmore. Uh, you know, I, he's had the injury, so it's, you know, it's tough to rip him, and I'm not ripping him. Um, and, and I think he's just gotten a lot more attention this year. Either they weren't ready for it or, or he was slow to adjust. But I thought for sure after his rookie season that he was going to come in and just wreck people on the interior. And that still might happen when he gets back from injury, probably after the bye week. They need him to. But I thought he was going to be an every down sort of game wrecker. And that hasn't come close to fruition. Mac Wilson, I thought he was going to be, you know, the answer, at least to a point 
alongside Bentley and he's, he plays out of control. Uh, he, he makes, you know, he's made too many mistakes. I had high hopes for him. He has not met those expectations. All right. Before we give you the uh, best bet of the week from Greg, let's talk about bet online. Uh, yes, let's bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting, uh, for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at bet online. Always use your continued source for sports wagering information. Bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest ways to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And you don't always have to bet the Patriots, right? I mean, Tatum's playing like an MVP right now. His third quarter last night was outrageous. And welcome back, Chucky. Chucky McAvoy back into the mix for the Bees. Love to see him out there with Lindholm uh, and, and see what he can do and what he looks like, you know, two, three weeks ahead of schedule. It's a nice, nice, nice pickup by the Bruins at this point this year. All right, the uh, best bet of the week, uh, Greg, since we don't have a Patriots game, we are eight and one uh, this year. The Bears game is the only one that got us. What's your best bet of the week? So I've been wrestling with this and, and I'm, I'm trying to stay with what I know. And besides the Patriots, the team that I've watched on film all season um, are the Raiders. And um, so I figured I'd stay there. They are playing the Colts this week. They're at home against the Colts. They are favored by six. Now, I don't know if I feel great about this because I just <laughs> saw what this Colts defense did to the Raiders. And uh, the Raiders defensive line is uh, offensive line is not very good. So I could see Buckner. Uh, if those guys are healthy, uh, you know, wreaking havoc against this offensive line, uh, their interior. I like Parnum, the left guard. I don't like Bars, the right guard. The center's okay, James. Uh, they're very weak at right tackle, and I like the left tackle. But um, And the Raiders' defense, I got to tell you, the reason people want to know why are the Raiders 2-6, and six, whatever they are at this point, uh, I watched the, the film of that Jaguars game. Holy cow! Did Derek Carr play freaking horrible in the second half? And including at the end, of, at the end of the first half, they had a wheel route to Abdullah. He was wide open against a linebacker, and Carr just went like this. Took his time and went like this. And the the, receiver, the running back had to wait on the ball, and then it got broken up. It should have been a touchdown. And in the second half, he was horrible. And their defense is terrible. At this point, they can't even tackle yeah. sometimes in the second yeah. half. So I don't feel great about this, but I'm just going with the Raiders. I'm, I'm taking the points with the Raiders. I watch uh, I watch the Niners and the Raiders, aside from the Patriots, of course, working out here in Sacramento. So I've seen every Raiders game. I've seen every Niners game. I've seen every Patriots game. And uh, yeah, the second half, I, if this is off the top of my head. I tend to have a weird memory, but I, I believe in the second half, Derek Carr was five for 15, 36 yards. It was that bad. It was, and it there, was were play, there were plays out there. There were some times where, you know, you talk about Mac Jones, not seeing stuff like Derek Carr wasn't seeing stuff. And like, he's actually in a real offense when, when he gets to his back foot. And if people will go to go to my Twitter account, I just 
to, to illustrate where the Patriots offense is and the Raiders offense is, I, I did a screen grab of out of shotgun Carr and Jones, Mac Jones at the same point, And like, Four Raiders are ready to turn around or are turning around to see the ball. And the the Patriots, the, their guys are just their heads are, are down, like, and they're just running. Like <laughs> that's what but Carr had plays where you just like, dude, this guy's wide open, or this guy, like, what are you looking at? Like he was oh the last like three weeks, he's really cost them. I, I've actually I've actually been a car guy. Um and I stand by that, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he wasn't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was great in the second half. He was terrible in the second half. He, he threw like two or three near interceptions. He was inaccurate. It, it was, it was not good. I'm going to go with the bears minus two and a half against the lions. To me, like this is just such a reactionary Ooh. line from the lions beating the Packers last week. The lions are not great against the run. I think fields is going to mess with them a little bit and, and screw around with their discipline. So give me the bears minus two and a half. Uh, BSJ member question of the day, uh, $39.99 on the annual plan. All the great sports coverage here in Boston uh, that you get, of course, Connor Ryan and, and Corrales and McAdam and, and Bedard himself with the uh, coaches film and the, and the chats. What is your BSJ member question of the day, Greg? So Pisa Cake says uh, about the Colts, this is an opponent Mac played last year and struggled the same, maybe more. Can you compare the offenses? Did the Buffalo game before the bye last year just kill this kid? Doesn't matter who is called plays since he's looked awful. Um, so, yes, he did. He threw two picks in that game. Um, Oker, I think both. One was in the red zone. One was Okariki making a ridiculous diving play. Now, I'll just point out, and we talked about this going into the game. Last year, Matt Eberflus was coordinating that defense. This year, it was Gus Bradley. And I think the more apt comparison is Josh McDaniels uh, was Gus Bradley's daddy and continues to be his daddy. By the way, <laughs> I, I was going to tweet this out, but I thought it was mean. But it just occurred to me. So Gus Bradley was um, he was the Chargers defensive coordinator and Anthony and Anthony Lynn got fired. He was John Gruden's defensive coordinator last year. Gruden got fired during the middle of the season. He was Frank Wright's defense coordinator this year. Frank Wright got f- fired in the middle of the season. So the lesson here is stay away from Gus ba- Bradley if if you want to keep your job. Um, but I just think um, this offense should have done more against that defense. Yes, it's talented, but there are things that you can do uh, that are pretty simple that just move the ball against that type of defense. And they didn't do it. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's been overblown max struggles at the end of the last season. Like, look, sometimes guys throw picks. I know maybe Brady didn't do it a lot. I know Aaron Rodgers doesn't do it a lot. Mahomes throws a lot of picks. Allen throws a lot of picks like sometimes quarterbacking is throwing picks but like just for example that Colts game last year he threw two picks but he also had them on the comeback trail and all they needed was a stop from the defense and they probably walk off and win that game sometimes that's football it doesn't mean the quarterback sucks it just you know sometimes you go up against a good defensive coordinator a talented defense like this Colts um, scheme last year and but you find a way to win. And I think Mac Jones, for the most part, did that a lot. And and I don't even want to hear about his one loss record. Like, just stop with that stuff, because you're not talking about the defense. You're not talking about the special teams when that factors in big time and sometimes more in the case of a team's record. 
Yeah, win-loss record is not indicative of quarterback play. It's similar to starting pitching in Major League Baseball. Yep. Uh, once you do that, it's, it's kind of fools. It's a fool's game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think when, when you look at Mac Jones, one of the biggest issues that he still faces is Tom Brady. Let's be honest, man. Like, there are a lot of fans out there that witnessed the greatest player at that position ever for 20 years. And he is still going to be stacked up against Brady. And it's – I'm not telling you that if he doesn't play well, he shouldn't be criticized. He certainly should be. And if he's not – if he ends up not being the guy, then he ends up not being the guy. But – you know, this idea of like your quarterback's going to throw 25, 30 touchdowns and have like six interceptions. Like we, we, we have to understand, look at the rest of the league, look at quarterback play around the rest of the league. And I still feel like new England, you know, we're, we're all kind of wrapped up into the vacuum of 20 years of just unbelievable play. And, and, and we, we have to still look at that and say, man, what a hell of a run for two decades. It doesn't happen often in sports. And it doesn't mean that you can't criticize or expect your football team to win, but it's also unreasonable to kind of expect like zero mistakes and things that are done a little bit differently. It's just, it's, it's just different, man. Like Brady is the greatest of all time. You, you had the greatest quarterback of all time and arguably the greatest coach of all time, you know, a, a side-by-side for two decades, like, I think some of that plays a role. His name is Greg. I'm Nick. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Greens and also betonline.ag. Everybody enjoy your bye weekend. We'll be back next week to discuss all NFL, all Patriots. Till then, be good, be safe, and be healthy.